Welcome to episode 12 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. I am Brett Nolan of AppAg.net, and with me as always is Trevor Sheridan of App Advice. In this episode, Trevor and I attempt to escape to the Great White North while battling zombies, bats, evil scientists, and Rita Repulsa. How you doing tonight, Trevor? I'm enjoying all these different survival battling concoctions <laughs> we have to play through this week. I guess it was a lot of survival games in this uh, that came out this week. Yep. And it's uh, kind of an eventful week. There's, you know, a few different areas to focus on. The first one is Apple News, and the company released iOS 10.3, so you can update your iPhone and iPad to get some new subtle features. This isn't like a big iOS 11 release. It's just little enhancements to iOS 10.3. The probably most obvious one is Find Your AirPods, which is built into the Find My iPhone app. So now you can use the same kind of thing if you drop an AirPod or you don't know what you're missing one or something like that. So you can track yeah, down so your I, AirPods. I tried it, and it seems like it really only can do it if your I, if your AirPods are outside of that case. Because yes. otherwise, they need to be connected to something. So if you're just trying to find them, like you put them in the case and you can't remember where you put them in your house, that's not going to help you. But... Uh, if you have them, you drop one or just an individual one, what it does is go to the last device that you had, or once you're in range of a device that it can pair with, it then knows to to send the where the location is. And if you lost one at a train station or whatever, it doesn't have the built-in thing like being able to find your phone. Right, right. You can send a sound to it. So like if you're around it, you can try to find it. Like if it fell in the cushion of your couch or something. But otherwise, it's really limited in how helpful it really is, unless Apple were to update the actual physical AirPods themselves and put some better tracking system directly in them. Yep. But now you can. I mean, I guess that was requested. I haven't had a problem with my AirPods being outside the case, but that's just me. Yeah, normally if, it, if it's lost, it's where did I put down that case with the AirPods. It's not like an individual one. Yep. And then Apple essentially gave an entire new file system to iOS. They switched over to APFS, which is Apple's official kind of file system. So that's why the update might take a little bit longer because it's doing all these background change. It's not like you can access iOS file system like you have Finder for iOS, but it does change it and it should help with read-write abilities of the apps as well as kind of reduce the capacity needed for default iOS. Yeah, and so what ended up happening was one of the side effects is when I, I have a 128 gigabyte iPhone 6 Plus, and I forgot to take a screenshot before I, I load the it on, but I'm guessing I gained between about two to three gigabytes of capacity. So if you go to the settings and about, and it tells you your total capacity of your device, normally you lose a chunk of that based on like the OS software that's on there and just the formatting of it. And you never get that full 128 or wherever your max is. And now I've gained about two to three gigs on what I used to have uh, with the old file system. So it's kind of nice just to gain free space for basically doing nothing. Yep. And then there's some developer tweaks. One is that developer could, developers can update their apps to provide a custom app icon. So MLB at bat has already updated their app. So you can change from the stock MLB logo to an icon of your favorite team. 
So that kind of lets that little custom action. And then you can now leave reviews for apps without leaving the app. So, you know, you're playing a game and it's like, would you like to rate us? And those take you to the app store. It takes you completely away. Now there's a pop-up within there. So you can just rate right there. And with more ratings potentially coming in, Apple now allows developers to respond to reviews. So those nasty ones where, like, it should be free. It said it was free. There's one <laughs> in-app purchase. This sucks. Developers can respond to those type of reviews. Uh, that's much needed because, it, I mean, those are just dumb reviews. Like half the time, the person probably downloaded it just so they could leave a comment because they, didn't even, they weren't even going to play it anyway. So at least it gives the developers an out. Uh, a way to to react to these things. One thought I had about that whole uh, custom icon, though, is I'm wondering if we're going to start to see like in-app purchases of buy new new icons for certain apps, and if we'll start to see people selling new icons for their own app, and then now they have a way to actually apply whatever you happen to buy. Yeah, I mean, with stickers going for a dollar ninety nine and Apple advertising stickers specifically, I can imagine it being included soon. <laughs> And so what other stuff is it included in 10.3? I know it's a long list of yeah, stuff. Yeah, there was a pretty big list. There were a couple other things there. I guess in, in maps now, you build a force touch on like a location. Say you're you're looking and getting directions to a certain place, and you want to see what the weather is going to be like at that local place once you get there. Well, now I guess you can force touch. I don't have it to try it out, but I guess you can force touch, and it'll bring up the weather, the current weather forecast for that location that you're going to. So that could be kind of useful for for some people. Uh, other things were there was now in the iCloud storage, I guess you can see uh, a breakdown of how your, your storage is being used. Uh, then there's also uh, a widget now for podcasts that you can en enable so you have that easy to, to access. And then uh, one other item that I thought was new, but I'm not sure is, because I don't have Verizon, is that voice call continuity, uh, which allows you to basically hand off between your Mac iPad, iPod Touch, and Apple Watch using basically iCloud to hand off the calls and be able to take it from any of those devices. Which is weird. They listed it as a new feature, but I've taken calls on my Mac before from my Verizon iPhone, so I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> I don't know. You were ahead of the times. I guess so. <laughs> So yeah, that's pretty much iOS 10.3. One kind of question with any of these updates is, should I update? And I usually give it a day. I did the update, no problems whatsoever, no new bugs or alerts or breaking phones or anything like that. So you should be relatively safe in updating your device. I did it too, and I'm usually a waiter, but I saw that find my AirPods and I wanted to try it out. So I did it right away. And it took, it did take a little while just for the actual install portion of it, but it, no problems whatsoever. Knock on wood. <laughs> yep. And so that's iOS 10.3. And that's pretty much the Apple news for the week. So that lets us transition over to new apps. And one interesting one this week is called Lake Coloring Book. And there's a ton of coloring books on the App Store. There's ones for kids, ones for adults, a mixture of the two based on popular characters, all kinds of different coloring books. But Lake kind of tries to distinguish itself by really merging the features of a bunch of different apps. So you have coloring books that are specifically designed for the Apple Pencil. Then you have others that are specifically designed for your finger. Then there's some where it's more like tap the target to kind of fill in whole blocks at once. Others, it's more like finger painting where you're dragging your finger over every nook and cranny of a coloring item. 
Lake Coloring Book offers all of this in one app and then gives you a free daily page to color every single day. So a lot of these have subscription models and various in-app purchases, but Lake gives you quite a bit of free content so you can just color however you'd like. Yeah, I love the fact that they give you all those different tools and let you decide. So you have like an, a normal acrylic brush, you have a watercolor brush, you have this spray that's almost like a like a can of of spray paint, and then you have the fill option. So if you do not want to have to deal with uh, staying within the lines, you can just fill whole sections and not have to paint it all in. And then obviously you have an eraser to undo stuff. But it's nice to have all those various options and you start to play with it and you can really get some cool effects where certain areas you might want to put a little shading on. So the first time you go over with the watercolor brush, it'll be light. And then if you go over sections of it again, even with that same color, you'll start to darken areas that have multiple layers of paint on them. So they've done a really nice job with that physics engine to really kind of mimic what real paint would look like. And then as far as like, like you said, you get those free pages every single day. But if you do want to buy content, they have a whole bunch of choices. So you can either buy, they've featured artists. So you can either buy an artist's entire book of illustrations that you want to color in or you can then go to their subscription model where you pay like 40 bucks for a year for all access or you can pay eight bucks a month if you're not so sure you want it or if you just want to try it out for a week three bucks so there's all different options there for how you want to pay for it but if you don't want to pay for anything you get to use it for free you just limit it to whatever the the free things happen to be every day and then the color wheel is really ingenious way where it's effortless to flip the color around and then you have a huge palette so you can scroll the wheel you know it's on the right side of the screen so you can scroll just like a little half panel of it and that's how you change like the color from red to yellow orange green but then you can also scroll it kind of vertical or horizontally on a color bar and that changes the shade so you can go from a dark red to a brighter red all within the same color wheel rather than constantly selecting different color palettes or jumping around these big colors. You have access to every single color all from that consistent wheel in the upper right. Right, and you can say, and it remembers colors you've used. So if you want, say you do a section and then you want to go back and, oh, I forgot a certain line, then you can quickly grab that same color you used, you'd previously been using to hop right back in and get that other section you might have missed. And you can hold your, I, I did it in the I used my iPad, but you can do it either horizontally or vertically. You can decide however you want to hold it and you can zoom in and out to really kind of get fine in certain areas. You can turn on something where even with like the watercolor brush, if you go over the lines, it will only stay, the paint will only go in whatever the first section you started applying paint in. So you don't have to worry about going out of the lines, but you don't have to use the fill tool either. So there's all kinds of, they, it seems like they really thought of everything that you'd possibly want in one of these painting apps and kind of just put it all in there, but in a nice, clean, concise way that it doesn't feel like you're overwhelmed with tools and options and choices. It's just all right there at your fingertips, and it just makes sense. Yep, that's Late Coloring Book. It's free. It's universal. And then there's a ton of games. And like we said at the outset, <laughs> there's a lot of survival themes. And the first one is Death Road to Canada. It's the latest game from Rocket Cat Games. They made Hook Champ way back in the day. They made Mage Gauntlet. And with Death Road to Canada, it's been teased for a long time. It's finally available. The game 
builds on that kind of organ trail idea and then includes a whole kind of zombie combat portion. So you have your little band of people trying to make it through the death road to get to Canada, which is supposedly a zombie free zone. So to do that, you're going to have to gather resources and manage everybody's health and make sure you have food supplies and gas for your car and then deal with the various events that come your way. Like you might have a zombie siege and you just have to survive for an hour of game time with all these different zombies. Or you may come across a band of bandits and they'll want to take half your stuff so you can choose to fight them and say no or you can just give them half your stuff so you have all these kinds of decisions built on that survival idea and then you'll just need to make stops like do i go over to the walmart place and try to go in and battle zombies and try to collect any resources i can or do i go to an upscale office building and try to do the same thing so the game breaks it up between that choice based on the road portion to then dive into an actual zombie combat sequence but then it's not just like a zombie shooter you actually have to kind of be concerned with the attributes of your person, what kind of weapon they have, and just them getting tired as they're beating on zombies. So it's not just like, oh, let me just go blast through everything. You actually have to be concerned with where the zombies are, and it might even be a better approach to kind of circle around some zombies rather than go plow through them. Right, and and even just weapons you'll find along the way and pick up, they'll break. And then so now you're scrambling to find something else or cycling to a different weapon that you picked up. And it's just like the whole structure of the game is just it's filled with humor, first of all. Like I believe the Walmart was called the Yalmart. And it's just uh, it feels like a basically a mix of a B-rated zombie flick and a, and a road movie. So you're like gathering up these, you run into this crazy cast of characters as you go and you got to decide, are you going to let them join your group or are you going to kick them to the curb? And then you have to take their personalities in consideration because all of a sudden you might end up with two people in your crew that have bucking personalities and you never know when someone's going to betray the other one. And, or maybe you'll purposely try and get someone killed because you don't want them on your team. You're like, I, maybe I don't want this person. They're, they're actually dragging us down. Maybe I'll go into this zombie infested area and purposely try to get this guy killed because maybe they, they're low on health anyways, or, and you can, get rid of them and now that's one less mouth to feed and now you are able to like get your crew back down maybe you'll run into someone else that's more useful to you but it's all randomly generated as you go so you never know what's going to happen you never know what kind of event you're going to run into who you're going to run into or even what they're going to be like so the you just constantly like got to deal with the punches and and figure out what you're going to do and like you said, I am I going to attack these zombies or am I going to avoid the zombies? And you just have to play by ear as you go. And you're going to die a whole bunch. This isn't the kind of game where <laughs> you start it up and you make it to Canada. Yay, that was fun. It's You're just going to die and just learn from every single mistake that you made. Because the game, it it's randomly generated, but it seems to always be able to throw you a curveball or a speed bump to no matter how good things are going, how well you've managed everything, there's going to be something that throws you off. Like I had one guy, his name was Garrett. And, you know, I'm like playing for quite a while. And he says something like, man, everything's going so well. I can't even think of anything that derails us. <laughs> and then the very next day, Garrett gets in this huge argument and he walks off and you never see him again. And I pretty much died in like <laughs> five minutes after that. So you never know what can happen in the game. 
Yeah, and I think that's what's awesome about it because you want to replay because everything is so humorously written and you just wonder what crazy thing is going to happen next. And so even as soon as you die, you're like, I'm going back in there. This time we're making it to Canada. And then obviously you don't. And then you still try it again and again. And so I don't know. I was really, this was one I was looking forward to for a while because I'd heard great things on the PC about it. And now that it's out on iOS, I mean, that's my main gaming platform for the most part. And uh, it's just awesome to have it right there at your fingertips. Yeah, they've done such a really good job to give you that reason to keep playing because that's what the core game is built on. So it's not the same thing every time. And then you actually want to replay because a lot of games have randomly generated things, procedural progression. But this game actually makes you want to play through it and keep going and trying again just to see what happens and then maybe actually make it. And I don't know if I'll ever be able to make it, but I definitely will be keep trying. Yeah, I mean, and there's even harder modes. Like, I just couldn't yeah. make it on the easy mode, and, and I can't do it. <laughs> and so that's Death Road to Canada. It's seven ninety nine, and it's universal. And then there's Sunless Sea, which has a similar survival idea, but you're actually on the high seas based in this weird alternate timeline where London is underwater and the land is overthrown by these bats or something. And <laughs> you have to go out and just pilot the your boat and just explore. The game is all about ex exploration. It tells you right off the bat you're going to die a lot, just like Death Road to Canada. And this does it in such a way, it's kind of like Reigns, where that game, your kingdom and your kings kept going even after the kings died. Now you have ship captains, and your lineage or progression on your ship is tied through generations. So your boat might be destroyed, but now you have a new captain, you're ready to set sail all over again. And it still holds pieces over after each uneventful or unsuccessful mission. And those pieces, you can select which pieces are held over to the kind of next generation. The map one seems to be the best because, again, the game is all about exploration. You really don't know what's out there. So you're just going to go pilot around and you'll get to come and dock at places and that lets you find more information about these different regions you can always go back to london for repairs or new supplies or report back your findings of these strange new lands but then there's also going to be pirate ships and strange sea creatures that you're going to have to have real-time battles so as you're exploring it's more of a kind of choose your own adventure text-based game book kind of idea but then you have real-time sea battles that you get to partake in so it combines them both together for a really deluxe experience yeah it's it this is like a massive game like it is it actually was a little difficult for me to get into at first but it just because it seems so overwhelming when you first look at this interface that you're presented with but as you start to kind of break it down, things start to make sense. And that whole roguelike element to the game is really where it excels along with the 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 massive amounts of text and, and story that they've crafted in this crazy fallen London world. And what happens is as you carry that stuff over – the whole world kind of resets, like islands move and things move around. So you, you don't necessarily know exactly where you need to go on your next iteration, the next captain that shows up. So things are still fresh and new to you, but you always have London that you can go back to that, that is 
a known entity, but everything else, you're kind of still having to make your way, having to figure things out. You just have more tools, uh, officers, other things at your disposal to hopefully help you make it further and further each time. But you will die and you will die a lot. Uh, and it's it's just the text portions of it. I really enjoyed the the whole story elements of it. It's the sailing portion that is that's pretty slow and and kind of drags on a bit just to move around and and get to where you think you want to go. But there's always stuff to do and stories to read. But it just feels like a hugely massive game that you're only I, I felt like I've only touched the surface of it at this point. Yeah, there's so much to do. And yet the problem for me is that they have really compelling story but at the outset, it doesn't give you like a set the world kind of cutscene or tutorials kind of story explanation of why you care about being a captain in this strange land. They never get you to care about the world that they've created. So you're just essentially given this random map with no really concern or desire to kind of explore it just because they don't make you care about it like death road to canada they specifically set up your goal what you're trying to do and your specific progression with a really well-designed story and really world with that humor and personality sunless sea just doesn't have like a distinct kind of character or personality to the ocean or the fall in london or anything i mean it's available in their other games but in this ipad version you take it by itself it doesn't establish it Right, so I'm wondering, I didn't play the original Fallen London game that they released. I'm wondering if that really set the scene a lot more. Granted, they do give you a lot of descriptive text in the actual story of it, but you're right, setting up the whole world and the fact that it's been taking o taken over by these bats and things, I don't feel like they really gave, like I read things ahead of time, but I don't remember there being a, a, a real introduction to that within this particular app. Like, I, I know I read about it and tried to do some research, but you're right. I don't know that it was in this game that they gave you really that whole background that would have been helpful to really draw you in right from the start. Yeah, because you have to take this iPad game as itself and not like, oh, I played other versions or anything. Just if I'm browsing the App Store and I see Sunless Sea, does it create a compelling world that I want to spend my time with and it doesn't really seem to capture that point and to your point to make matters worse it's tedious and slow to get anywhere in this world and with such a huge map you wish that you could progress to points quicker or without that world kind of development until you reach these new points you want to get to these points quicker so you can get more story and get more background of this entire world but when you're just on the open sea and dragging your finger to move it around, it, it really is just a pain to get through. And then you'll get to those, you know, different battle things. And it's not the most complex strategy-wise because there's really only one option from the outset. I guess you can upgrade your ship as you go. But for a few hours into the game, you are you don't have that much strategy at your disposal in these ship battles. Yeah, I think you really have to invest a lot of time up front and then you're going to be able to you'll get it back later. But getting through that initial slog is a little tough. And I think that's going to lose some people. Uh, but I, 
on the same hand, I do admire what they've tried to do and kind of some people just don't like the solid game book style and to have this other element. It just for me, it just felt a little flat. Uh, I didn't they didn't marry together as well as I had hoped. And I had I mean, I saw this. I'm like, oh, this looks great. And for some reason, it just didn't click with me. Yeah, I felt like it had that kind of inkle inspiration, what they were trying to do. But it didn't seem like the choices you were given really kind of gave that much payoff in terms of progressing the story or your current ship adventure. Yeah, yeah, a lot of the stuff was locked. I'm trying to figure out what I can go to, what I can do, and yeah. it was locked, 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 locked. And and then I got to figure out, well, how do I even get to this next thing to to increase things? So I, there was a bit of confusion on my part, and I, I think with more time I'll understand more of it, but at least that initial reaction wasn't as, as good as I'd hoped. And when you're competing for attention span, it's tough to not just get into things or at least get you to want to get into things like Inkle games. It's a long kind of book idea. Even the game books by Tin Man, they're long books, but it still gets you into the flow of things. Sunless Sea never kind of gets off the starting blocks because it doesn't have that same kind of bridge into the main gameplay. Yep. Yep. I know what you mean. And that's Sunless Sea. It is $7.99 and it's universal. And then there's Cube Escape the Cave. We've talked about Cube Escape before. We even talked about this particular version coming soon after GDC. And now it's available for everyone to download. It's free. It's universal. There's really no reason not to download it. And one kind <laughs> well, of caveat. Kid. Yeah, one kind of caveat before you get in, though, is this is the ninth in the series. So go back to the first Cube Escape. All nine games are free. And. If you take all nine together, this is really amazing storytelling that doesn't have to rely on very much text or voice or any kind of stuff like that. It depicts this entire story through the puzzles and the artwork and does an amazing job of doing so. And now you can see the overall kind of tapestry to come together as they're weaving it to the eventual conclusion with the 10th game. So this is the 9th, and this really starts to piece things together so you can see how it connects to Rusty Lake Hotel and Rusty Lake Roots and all the previous eight games into this one and how this entire Rusty Lake region comes together through these different point-and-click adventure games. And then you have that classic point-and-click adventure style, which is really well done. Yeah, I I binged like the first eight. I had only played one of them, one of the random ones in the middle before I knew there was a whole series. And then I binged the other eight before, except I skipped over the one I had already done, and then played the ninth. And I would say, after having just most recently played all these, uh, the ninth one, this newest one, probably had the most straightforward puzzles. Like, they weren't easy, but they were understandable you never felt like there was like some off the wall thing like there's no possible way i would have thought of that and you can actually make it through all of them which is kind of ironic seeing as they finally have a much improved uh help system like an actual help system rather than a link to a youtube video walkthrough of the entire thing if you needed help so it's there's actually a great help system in this one, even though you may not necessarily actually need it, but it's there if if you do decide that you need help. Yeah, and like you said, this game isn't for kids. It does have a relatively outlandish and kind of macabre setting and theme, but if you 
our past kind of kid age, this is one of the best kind of overarching stories you can find on iOS. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's creepy, weird, and fun. Yep. Cube Escape the Cave. It's free. It's universal. And just find all those Cube Escape games, really. <laughs> and then there's Power Rangers Legacy Wars, which is tied to the new Power Rangers movie based on the original TV shows and updated for kind of movie atmosphere and setting. So it's a big budget blockbuster movie. But there's, of course, a game to go with it because you wouldn't have a big budget blockbuster movie without an accompanying iOS game. And Power Rangers Legacy takes kind of that style you've seen before where it's head-to-head combat with a 2D flat kind of side-scrolling idea. And it's like the Marvel game and the DC. So there's the Justice League one. Yeah, Injustice, Injustice, Gods Among Us 1, where you're just fighting head-to-head and you tap the screen rapidly to do all kinds of stuff. And then Marvel made their own version of that. And then there was the Mortal Kombat version of the same game, built on the Injustice engine just with Mortal Kombat characters. And Power Rangers Legacy Wars, it's built on that same kind of idea. It's subtly different because you don't just button mash. There's subtly, slightly more thought in tapping various... Uh, attack options because you only have a 10 meter energy system and each move costs points that energy does replenish over time and so the basis is there for okay it's more of a strategy kind of idea but then as you play you realize like i'm trying to perform strategy to the moves but if i just tap all these moves really quickly i have a better chance to hurt the other person than they have to hurt me no matter what order i use these moves or whatever i try to do yeah so it's a it's a weird setup so it's kind of almost like a mix between a turn-based strategy game a uh tower defense or like a defense game not a tower defense but the defense game where you're deploying troops and it keeps on regenerating over time and a button masher but you're you're like you said you're never button mashing but what you're doing is trying to deploy these three you have basically up to three actions at any given time you can deploy based on how much energy you have left the randomly generates you don't have a choice of what's going to come but they have this whole like rock paper scissors like cyclical hierarchy to them where you have i forget what they're called strike uh, I forget the there was one that began with a B, and then defense. And what you have is the each one blitz. of those perform blitz. Is it blitz? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so they go after each other. Uh, no, it's breaker, strike, breaker, and defense. And so what you can do is you have to still kind of plan what you're going to do because if you go to strike your opponent and they throw up a defense, you're going to get stunned and you can't attack. So you still have to be quick laying out these attacks as fast as you can to get as much damage on the other player before they get damage on you. But you still have to be smart about it if you have options, but you won't always have options because you also have certain attacks that are going to be ranged and certain attacks are going to be up close. So if you just slam in everything, you're going to waste attacks. So you're going to have some that maybe your opponent's all the way in the other side of the screen and you do some attack that's just like a, a super close like grab or punch or something. Well, it's not going to land anything. You're, you're, it's going to be useless and you've wasted some of your energy. So you do have to be smart about it, but you have to be quick. I've noticed the quicker I lay stuff out, the more times, uh, more often than not, that I won. So 
there is a strategy there that goes beyond like a typical button match or where you'd just be slamming these things out as fast as you can. But it's still, I think it's almost a little too subtle. And where like the, the if it were a strict turn-based strategy, you would have to think about it more, but you can still get away with mashing buttons, but you are better off if you think about it, if that makes sense. Yeah, the more you, the more I tried to think about it, the worse I came out in the end, because you can swipe to move your Power Ranger backwards and forwards you in can? this straight line attack. Yeah, I had no idea. I'm yeah, just and that how, the buttons. <laughs> that, that's how you get them closer to one another to fight and stuff. That so you have, helpful. yeah, you have that idea to focus on, and then it seems like the yellow ones always trump the red ones. So try to get those yellow moves into place, and then the blue is the block. So always block when you can. But it just seemed every single time I tried to think about it, it didn't work as well as I swiped close and I pressed the yellow and my yellow was pressed before theirs. So it won out or they picked red and my yellow beat their red. The times that I was like, OK, I'm going to block really specifically here or I'm going to wait for their attack, jump back and then jump back forward. I was just inundated with their attacks that I never actually got to implement any of my own. So like you said, it's it's that tough kind of, you want to think about it, you should think about it, but the more you do, the other person's probably just going to be attacking you while you put your perfect plan into place. Well, the main problem I had was that you're not even focusing on actually looking at the animations and the attacks until you get that final kill. Yeah, You're just focused on that one little corner of the screen where those things are either going still gray or you can press them. And that's what you're looking at. You're really looking at nothing else. I mean, occasionally, if I was trying to use strategy, I would try to see maybe if I saw the guy pulling a red, because the reds take a while to warm up. So you see them cranking and getting them ready. You have time to try to do something like throw out a, a quick yellow to try to stop it from happening. But you have to be quick. And so you do kind of have to pay attention to the other player, but at the same time, most of your focus is just going to be in the bottom right corner of the screen or left, depending on which I think it's actually, is it always on the right? Yeah, it's yeah. always on the right. You could be on the left, but uh, it's always down there in the corner, in the corner. And you're going to mostly focus on that to try to trigger attacks. You're not really going to be paying attention to the game. And then, you have the full cast of the Power Rangers new movie as well as all the way back to Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and all the different shows in between. So you can unlock a bunch of characters and then you have, have a team of three. So you have that kind of classic Marvel versus Street Fighter Mortal Kombat setup, but you can't switch out your guys. You only the other two Power Rangers only are used as temporary attacks. They come flying in, they do something, they fly out. It's not like you do that switching mechanic and timed up or have certain people that work better against who they currently have out. That's taken away completely. It's just a temporary attack and kind of pointless that they even have you give a team of three. Yeah, I, well, I just would always pull in Pink Ranger because she had the arrow. So if the guy was far away, Pink Ranger would come in, shoot an arrow, get him from across the screen since I didn't realize I could move. And <laughs> eventually I would wait for them to come in close and then attack. And then there's the whole freemium in-app purchase setup tied to upgrading your characters, unlocking new ones. I kind of ignored all that, but it seemed that yep. my crew wasn't really leveling up. I got to like 20 out of 70 on level 2 or 3, 
and it just stuck there even after I won three in a row. I don't know if there was some energy tied where you couldn't level up after, if you ran out of energy. I must have missed that. Yeah, I don't but know. It just I, stopped I, I mean, I just kept on winning, but nothing. I eventually I got some other. You get these little chess things you can open. Yeah, and then those take forever you, to open. And those take some of them take forever. Some take like are super quick, but usually like the decent ones take four hours or multiple hours, and then you can use premium currency to speed it up. I mean, it's all your your typical free to play crap that's in all these games that. Some people, I mean, some people are just going to ignore it. Some people might get so invested in the game they'll actually pay for it. But I'm curious to see how well it does. I mean, I'm sure this game will do well just because of the Power Ranger name. And now that the movie's out, it's all back in, and people love it again. But I, it's, it's there's nothing real, like really new here. I mean, it's a it's just reskinned of something that we've pretty much already seen. Yeah. And- that's what's so disappointing because they could have really done a good job where it was true like rock, paper, scissors, turn-based strategy thing where I put my yellow move thinking it's the best possible one for this scenario. Maybe they throw out a red or they throw out a yellow, but my yellow is stronger than theirs. And you have to really balance your energy. Like say you had 10 energy and then you have to use a certain number of moves. And so you act, this is a four and this is a three and you have to plan it out at certain times. It doesn't keep replenishing and you're just focused on that bottom right corner to tap it is the second that it does. Right, right. It, although it's so random which things are going to pop up for you that that's what I found most frustrating. Like if I were going to play a game like this, I'd prefer like a card battling game where at least I have control of what goes in my deck. So I have an idea of what kind of things are going to be coming up rather than just completely random supply of attacks that some are useful, some are not. And at least with a card battling game, I, you can call that deck and plan it out much better than just complete randomness. Yep. That's Power Rangers Legacy Wars. It is free. It's universal. And then there's Orphan Black, the game. I've just started out on season two of Orphan Black, and really, it's a pretty great show. Just if you like kind of action, fast-paced narrative progression, Orphan Black does a really good job. And now there's a game to go with the show, and the game doesn't do any spoilers so you don't need to be totally familiar with the show you can be, enjoy the game and then say oh i'm going to watch the show so you don't have to worry about that and the actual game takes on the style of Lorecraft go or deus ex go or hitman go where you have the path set out in front of you and you see which points you can swipe to and the enemies respond based on your swipe so you have that turn-based movement and then you have to trigger switches to create the proper path forward and all that familiar kind of stuff you've played just with the North and Black theme. Yeah, so I mean, it's kind of ironic that uh, they, it's a, a show about clone cloning and uh, they've now made their first game to put out for this is kind of a clone of a game that's already out there. But uh, even with that, it is a well-done clone. It, I mean, it... <laughs> it, it, it really like you want to continue playing it's not like a cheap little ripoff the the puzzles are actually well done you have to think about the moves you're going to make to to trigger certain switches or pressure pads or or anything there is a nice the i mean it's all that same isometric view it's really cool to see like cartoony type versions of all the characters from the show and it does kind of tie the narrative of the show in it's just they don't do a lot of detail so they kind of set up certain 
scenes from the various seasons of the show as you progress through the various level packs. So they'll have like a character come in, say, call you and say a couple of words. And it's all these certain scenes that were in the show, but it doesn't give a lot away if you haven't seen the show. But if you have seen it, you'll recognize these situations. I mean, they don't tie directly in. You're always kind of going against the same bad guys, but it uh, it does. It is kind of nice to have those little callbacks to the show as you're playing through. They could have probably reskinned this with something else, but it's nice to have that orphan black theme, especially where it's a show that's somewhat underappreciated and it's it's coming back for its fifth and final season. And it's it, it'll be great to have this little companion piece to go with with the show in its final final few episodes. Yeah, I mean making a game so similar to another is bad, but having more of the Lara Croft ghost style isn't necessarily a bad thing, especially when it's a theme of a show that I enjoy. And it's a relatively good show that multiple people could enjoy. And so tying that whole more of that puzzle style together and offering all new level packs to play is not a bad thing in my book. No, not at all. I, I'm really enjoying this one. I'm, I'm flying through it because I've been playing so much of it that uh, that uh, it is really it's well done. It's right up there with the original Go series. Like it, it feels like it could easily fit in with that series. Yeah, they could have called it Orphan Black Go and just been done with it. Yes. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe they tried to pitch it. Oh, actually, I think they have their own media company. The company that makes the show, I think they have a digital media company. So they probably wanted to do it in-house anyways, but... It's funny because it's made in Ontario, and we know that Square Enix Montreal makes all the Go games, so yeah, it's not that far Maybe away. Someone on, yeah, yeah, and so that's Orphan Black, the game. It's four ninety nine, and it's universal. And then one last one I just want to mention is uh, a digital board game. It's Takedo. It's this has been highly anticipated, and finally it's out. And this is a uh, the digital adaptation of a game basically where you are traveling on Tokaido, which is basically this route between Kyoto, Japan and Edo, Japan, which is Tokyo nowadays. And along the way, what you're doing is trying to have this meaningful experience. So you will be stopping at various locations along the way, like a hot spring, or you'll be stopping to purchase souvenirs, and you're trying to get the most out of your trip. And it's this four-day journey that you're going to be making along this pathway. And you're basically you're competing with the other players to earn the most victory points by the end of the four days. And what happens is it's got this unique movement system within the game where there's no real turn order. It's who's ever furthest back on the path gets to move forward. And so what you do is you start out with the first player and they choose any location along the path that they want. So they're all kind of lined up all in a straight line and you choose whichever one of these you want. You start out getting a character and the characters have various uh, different abil uh, abilities. So one character might get... Uh, items at the store for cheaper and or another person might get a bonus when they go to the hot spring so you might have certain things that you you're based on whatever character you're randomly assigned you might want to favor certain locations because they'll earn you more points or they'll cost you less money because you have very restricted amount of money that you start with and then there's only certain spaces on the board where you can get more money but you're going to have to be purchasing things and at the end of each uh, day in this journey, you're going to stop at the inn and you have to purchase a meal. And if you don't purchase a meal, then uh, you're not you're going to be penalized for that. So 
you need to always have some money. And so there will be these coveted spaces where you can earn three coins that people are going to try to jump on. So what happens is on your turn, you can choose any of these spaces you want to go to. The further you go up on the board, the less turns you're going to get, because now all the people behind you can take their time going through all those various spaces that you skipped over. So you kind of have to figure out it's like a risk reward. Do I go right for the thing I really want, but skip over like four spaces? Or do I take my time and hope that my opponent doesn't go on to the space that I want? And now I have to skip over it and not be able to do that action on this, this particular route. So it's a really thinky type of game where you it's going to be really based on the players that you have to kind of read your other players that you're playing against and figure out where you think they're going to go, what they might be aiming for, and try and either stop them from getting what they want or making sure they don't stop you from getting what you want. And the way they've done the app, it's just like a beautiful rendition of it. It's all in like this 3D, almost isometric view, and it's all animated. So instead of just moving pieces on a board and dragging them from one dot to the next, you actually see it all animated out. You see the characters walk along the path, walk over to the hot spring, and everything is just like this beautiful animation where it kind of elevates it from just a cardboard to digital conversion to this almost like an animated film that you're interacting with as you move these characters and progress through the game. And it's just really well done. I had seen an early build of this, and it's great to see the the final build where they have all of the local uh, multiplayer, online multiplayer, and uh, it's just really well done. I love a digital adaptation that truly is only possible on digital. Take a board game and don't just here's the board in digital space, actually turn it into the world that the board game is supposed to represent because you're able to do that in the digital landscape. And then in this particular game, it's all about creating the most satisfying journey, you know, visiting the best things and doing the best things along the trip. So to replicate that or and to create that in the digital world is a great idea. Yeah, and the other thing I like that they've done is in some of these games, it's hard to see like where the other players are at, because normally if you're sitting at a board, you would be able to look around, see what the other players have next to them and kind of see what of these various. So there's a lot of set collection in this game. So you'll visit certain like art places and these panoramas, you'll get a piece of them. And in this app, it does a beautiful job of almost painting that that right on the screen as you're getting new pieces. You see this thing get painted in real time right on the screen and to be able to see what the other players are collecting is crucial in this game because you need to know where you're where you need to go next. And they have these great little one tap spots you have you can go to and it gives you a breakdown of who's in the lead for certain goals, who's in the lead for certain rewards at the end. And you can always have this information right at your fingertips so you know exactly what you want to do and you can make the most informed decision of where you want to move next. So they've done a they've really done a thought thoughtful job of developing this in a way that not only is it that beautiful take you out of the just a board game experience, but also have all that information presented in like a nice way so that you can still play it as like a board game like you have to, but 
it doesn't feel like it's just all this crammed on information over on the side or something that's kind of like a second thought of, oh, yeah, they need to see this. We'll just put it in a table over here. No, they've done a really nice job of like crafting it all beautifully and and having a nice, easy to read way of getting that information. Yep. And that's Takedo at six ninety nine. It's Universal. And I think that's everything for episode 12. Yeah, that's all I got. To everyone listening, we hope you enjoy listening to the App Advice Weekly Podcast, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.